All right, so open your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. And like I said, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16, 1 through 16. But first, I'd like to just by way of review, review a couple of things from the last couple of weeks. We, we've been finishing up the book of Romans. And what we see is as Paul begins to conclude his thesis, the first of the Pauline epistles in your Bible. It's not the first written but it's first in order, okay, after the historical books of the Gospels and Acts. What we're presented with is the book of Romans, Paul's doctrinal thesis on what we are to believe. And as Paul wraps up the book of Ephesians, he focuses in on how we ought to treat each other, saying such things as, you that are strong, bear the infirmities of the weak. And oh, by the way, if someone wants to, you know, if someone wants to believe and really focus on the holy days and, and someone wants to believe and, and be a vegetarian for religious reasons, you know what? Don't judge them. Let God judge them. You receive them. Saying things like that. And we looked at, at Romans 15, verse 4. We saw that whatsoever things were written aforetime referring to the scriptures, were written for our learning. How encouraging is the rest of this verse? That we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And we talked about hope. Okay, go to the next slide for me. And what we saw was hope for the believer is an assured confidence in what we know to be true about our future. And we contrasted that with what hope means for the unbeliever. And hope for the unbeliever is an anxious contemplation about what they do not know about their future. And boy, you talk about a contrast. I thank God we have a Bible. And it defines itself. And when our Bible says hope, we know what it means, and we can say, thank you, God, for the sure confidence. The, the unbeliever, well, they're not believing God's words. We're believing God's words. That's the difference. And the, the difference is just night and day, black and white. Anyway, that's review. I won't re-preach that. Let's go on. We saw the FOI party here. Okay. And remember, we talked about how you can determine a person's country of origin by what language they speak. You remember that? Okay, so let's go on. We saw that just as a person's language reveals where they are from, a Christian's conversation, a Christian's lifestyle, okay, ought to reflect his or her citizenship. Okay, but you know, we're not perfect discerners. Sometimes people are saved, but they don't act like it. Whatever. Like, like even if I can't determine where someone's home is, in other words, is your home in heaven? Is your home here on earth? Like, I don't know. But I can tell where your heart is. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right? Remember that? that was, you can review that if, if you weren't here for that. But those are things that we looked at as we as we went through Romans chapter 15 there. Now we're moving on to the last chapter in Romans. We're almost done with this study. So Romans 16 overview. Just get eyeballs kind of on the, on the chapter in your Bible, if you would. Okay? And what you see is, you see this is basically broken up 
into three sections, this chapter of Romans is. And you see the first section is Romans chapter 1 through 16. That's where we're going to be today. And that's where Paul is basically saying hello. He's saying hello to 32 different individuals or groups of people. That's basically what's happening in 1 through 16. He's also making a commendation or a recommendation of Phoebe. We'll cover that today. But then in verses 17 through 20, we get to the second section. So that is a warning regarding division in the church. So after Paul, after God, his Holy Spirit, through Paul instructs us to treat each other a certain way, to receive each other, he gives us a warning about division because not everybody's here for the right reasons. I'm not talking about in our class, but, you know, maybe. There's people that have come in for the wrong reason into the church, and there's warnings regarding that. We'll talk about that next week. And then we have the section in 21 through 24 where Paul says hello to the church at Rome from nine different individuals or groups. So Paul says hello to a bunch. Of, so if I come in and I say, listen, I want to say hello to you, and I want to say hello to Wagi, and I want to say hello to Phyllis, and I want to say hello to Scott. I'm saying hello to you, but then I can say, oh, by the way, Sam says hello, and Will says hello, and Kenny says, like, whatever. I can say hello from some other people, and that's what Paul does. Hello from nine different individuals or groups, and then he wraps it up with some final words in verses 25 through 27. That's an overview of Romans chapter 16. We're going to be in the first section of that this morning in verses 1 through 16. So you guys got all that? All right. So in Romans 1 through 16, what we see, this is Roman numeral 3 on your handout already. Look how fast we're moving. By the way, this morning I want to present stuff and then have you work through it in your small groups. Okay, this is going to be more of a maybe a discovery Bible method type thing where, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there and see what sticks. You can work through whatever sticks and make sure it's okay. Paul makes a commendation, that is a recommendation, and then he asks those receiving this letter to greet or salute different individuals or groups within the church. He describes those people that he mentions with a 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18 understanding. So here's what those verses say. Wherefore, because henceforth, from now forward, listen, from now forward, know we no man after the flesh. I don't know you for who you are in the world. I don't know you for how someone else might describe you. I don't know you for what you did, good or bad. I don't know you after the flesh. I don't describe you as black or white or brown or male or female or rich or poor. I don't know. We don't look at each other that way moving forward. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled, reconnected us to himself by Jesus Christ. So when I look at you, I don't look at you for who you are in the flesh. I look at you as someone who has been reconnected with God through Jesus Christ. I look at you as spiritualized. I see you for who you are in Christ. 
And we all ought to just have a little sigh that goes, Oh, thank you, God, for that. Thank you that, that when you look at me, you see a brother in Christ. You don't see a failure. You don't see someone who has to perform or prop myself up. I don't have to prove that I'm good or something like that. You're, you're just supposed to see me for who I am in Christ. And I see you that same way. We Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. You guys are with me with that, right? You understand that? You guys? Yeah. Okay. This is how Paul makes his introductions. He points them out. So real relationships are based on positional and practical spiritual reality. Let me say that again. Real relationships are based on positional and practical spiritual reality. And that's what we see as Paul makes these different introductions. This is no theological lecture. This is no stern charge or warning like, Get your act together! No, Paul's like, hey, I love you. I see you for who you are in Christ. And I love that. I want to introduce you. I want to say hi to you for that. Okay, we're going to see that. This is heartfelt affection and care communicated. You know, one thing One thing for me is I'm not always super good at communicating affection. Like, I'll have affection. And Christine knows that. Like, I married her. Hello? Right? I wouldn't have married her if I didn't love her. I don't have to tell her everything all the time, do I? Okay, husbands don't... That's not good. I have a fault. You guys may have noticed this. Uh, forgive me if this has happened. I'm working on this. I kind of assume you're doing okay. That's, that's not right. We need to make sure that we're doing okay because sometimes... We're not doing okay. And the way God designed it is we need each other. We're compacted. We're fitly joined together. And there's nourishment that comes across those relationships, spiritually speaking. Okay? (coughs) All right. So what we're going to see here is that Paul asks the church at Rome to greet individuals or groups. And he does it in a way that's instructive. All right. So, for example, let's get into the chapter. Verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I commend unto you, I recommend unto you, we would say, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. Okay. We know no man after the flesh. New creatures in Christ. Saints. Receive her as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a secure, we'll talk about that word, of many and of myself also. She is a sister. She is a servant. She is a secure. That means she has maintained or taken care of others. This is Phoebe, Paul says. Well, you know, some believe that Phoebe's the one that carried the letter. So she's delivering this letter, and the first two verses are like, Hey, I want to commend unto you Phoebe. By the way, I want you to receive her because she's a sister. Receive her because she's a servant of the church at Centria. Receive her because she is a secure of many. But then also, hey, she's got some business there that she's taking care of, and I want you to assist her. And I I, I taught this Tuesday night, a missionary prayer night. Because she is a maintainer of many, 
I want you to support her in whatever she tells you she needs. And this is like the missionary that comes. And they're like, look, Christodos was there. He has 74 church planters that he supports financially in villages. 74 churches. You know, if each of those pastors can influence 100 people, you're looking at 7,400 people. Christodos is a secourer of those 74, and he influences hundreds of others. Wagi teaches pastors in South Sudan and in Egypt, and they go back to their churches. And if they can teach a dispensational view of Scripture, and if they can learn to preach in faith expositorily, and if they can get a discipleship philosophy of ministry, how many people can Wagi as a secourer of many influence? And so this is what Paul's teaching. Phoebe is, is, a, is a secourer of many, and I want you to assist her. And what I presented to the church is this is kind of like the system that God set up. We send out a lot of, and have a lot of tent makers. That means, you know, bivocational. So I'm bivocational. I'm not full-time salary at Midtown. I have a part-time pastor salary. Then I work part-time as a physician. I'm a tent maker, bivocational. Okay? So we do a lot of that. But, but the system that God set up, I am on staff. I am paid by the church. Okay? To do the work of the ministry. And this word, secure, that's the only time this word is found in Scripture. It's a feminine version of a word, though, that's found other places in Scripture, which is maintain. So, so, so let's look at Titus 3, 13, and 14. This is the instruction to Titus and the church there. Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. So in other words, this is the same instruction like the church at Rome is given regarding Phoebe, except instead of Phoebe, it's Zenos and Apollos. Hey, listen, they're traveling through. Whatever they need, you guys provide it. Make sure they're not lacking or wanting in anything. And let ours also, let the church, learn to maintain. Look, if you will be a secure, you maintain others. You, you provide for them. You are becoming a secure, a maintainer, and the result is that you will not be unfruitful. Okay. If Christodos goes to India and does all the work and pays for it all himself, then he gets all the fruit. And we're just sitting here and we don't have any fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. No gold, no silver, no precious stones. And in all of our lives, nothing's going to pass through the fire of the judgment of God's judgment for our service. And we'll just be like, well, I don't know. guess I didn't bring forth any fruit. But if I can become a secure, if I can promote and help Christodos, now I have fruit in that. Now I'm not unfruitful. Does that make sense? And I just presented, this is a system that God sent, set up. We can see that. As we read through Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, it's an example of how Paul's, you know, his, his salutations, his, his saying hello is, is instructive for us. We see the same thing with Priscilla and Aquila. In verses 3 and 4, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epineatus, who was of the first fruits of Achaia, unto Christ. And what we see here, 
Okay, so how is this instructive? Well, first of all, the way Paul introduces them. Okay? Priscilla and Aquila. First of all, Priscilla's first. She's a girl. She's the lady. Women, ladies first, right? Well, you know, Phoebe was mentioned first. And then Priscilla, that it would not be culturally the norm in that culture at all. It's like women are kind of property or whatever in that culture. Well, now Paul is like, no, 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 look, these ladies, because of their investment in the ministry, yeah, no, women have a place in the ministry. Women have a place of importance and actually a, a primary place of importance. Does that make sense? Priscilla's gifts and investment are what had her mentioned before her husband. Okay. They are described with thankfulness. Paul's like, man, I am so thankful. In fact, all the churches are so thankful for these two people that, that helped and actually risked their lives for my sake. You can read about them in, in, in the book of Acts. You can read about them. But Paul tells a little bit of their history and a little bit of their backstory. Okay, here's one thing that, that I really love is I get to know a little bit about your backstory. I, I get to be involved as a pastor, and I get to know a little bit about what's going on, about what you're going through. And, and it always saddens me when people go through trials and when people struggle and people go through loss and people are hurting. But you know what? The fact that you're still here the fact that you didn't quit when you had a chance, the fact that you're persevering, I get to appreciate that. And, and the other people in this room, maybe they don't. Maybe the people in your Bible study you've opened up to about your trials, about your loss, about your doubts, about your fears, about the things that maybe we counseled about or, or what you're going through or what you're hoping for or trusting God for. But if we don't appreciate at least the fact that everybody has a backstory, all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Amen? Okay. Is there any of us here who've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who are still in this world, but not of the world, but are following after the things of God? Is there any of us who will not suffer persecution? No. No. But sometimes there's a temptation to be churchy. And we come in and people are like, how you doing? It's like, I'm doing great. Well, not really. But that's what you're supposed to say. How are you? I'm doing fine. Oh, good. Not really, though. Not really doing fine, actually. This is maybe how the answer ought to be. How you doing? Yeah, just like you. That's how I'm doing. That's how I'm doing. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm suffering persecution. The little foxes are attacking this week. So, you know, didn't sleep much Thursday. Have this respiratory infection. Even when I can sleep, I'm up coughing. I got like the cough all night respiratory thing going. And then the diarrhea started yesterday. 
And one of my sons got a bad headache, so I got up with him and I slept on the floor next to him. Okay, so my body hurts. My knees flared up. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm a doctor. I can't figure out what's going on with my own knee. (laughs) But age, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, spiritually, I'm doing fine. No problems at all. But, you know, hey, if you're praying, just, you know, let's pray against spiritual attack in the area of just physical stuff in my house, right? Sometimes I think that that we kind of miss out when we don't see each other with spiritual eyes. Now, in Christ, it's all good. But, But we are behind enemy lines, and we do suffer persecution, and I think sometimes... You know, we ought to we ought to at least make sure that this is a place where if somebody just needs prayer, they can just say, "Look, man, I am going through it. Can you pray for me? Right? My marriage, would you pray for me? My job, would you pray for me? Uh, my whatever, and, and then we can just we can pray for each other in that way." And having a spiritual, you know, lens through which we see each other will help enable that. And if we were to go through the whole chapter, let's just continue through this. Paul says, greet Mary, in verse 6, who bestowed much labor upon us. Hey, let's, Mary is someone who worked really hard on my behalf. I want you to see her that way. I might introduce Joel Hey guys, I want to, you know, say hello to Joel Paul for me. He's the one who leads us into praise and worship every morning, every week. Hey, I, I want you to say hello to Phyllis for me. Phyllis is a refresher of my soul. I want you to say hello to Deanna Kennicott for me. Deanna is a prayer warrior. And not only for my sake, but for your sake. Say hello to her. You you guys see what I'm saying? We look across the room at each other, and we see each other for who we are in the flesh. That's not right. That's not... Well, you know, I'm not speaking about you individually, personally, but that's not encouraging. I'm not talking about you, like... Ah, like, like your physical appearance isn't encouraging, but who we are in the flesh... Is not what's encouraging. It's who we are together in Christ and who we are together in the mission that's encouraging. Okay, so salute Andronicus and, and Junia, my kinsmen, my, my relatives, and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who are in Christ before me. He describes them for their place in the ministry, for their place in the spiritual family, for their place in Christ, right? They have a long history in the church. Thank God for that. He he acknowledges that. Greet Amplius, my beloved. Hey, say hi to Al for me. I love that guy. My beloved in the Lord. He's in the Lord. Are you in Christ? 
Man, we, we ought to acknowledge each other as in Christ. Salute Urbain, our helper, in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Okay, right there, listen. You don't have to prove you're a Christian to me. I see you as that. Your performance is not something I'm measuring. It's not a performance-based thing that we have, amen? If it were, we would have to look at each other like we're competing with each other. Oh my goodness, what a church that would look like. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I used to go to that church. Okay. No, you don't want to go to that church. Everybody's trying to prove how holy they are. You know, it's like, hey, Patrick, how you doing, brother? Um, I read the entire book of Exodus and outlined it and memorized all of it. (laughs) Well, aren't you holy? Like, that wasn't actually what I asked. Sometimes there's like pressure for us to come across churchy, right? You know what? If you're approved in the Lord... I guess that's good enough for me. And if I'm approved of the Lord, well then, that ought to be good enough for you. And now we can just love each other and see each other for who we are in Christ. Paul's introductions should be instructive for us. We could go on. Verse 11, Salute Herodian, my kinsmen. Greet them which are of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Trifema, Trifosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Man, what a, what a deal. I would love it if, if, if you're off on a church plant someday and you write a letter back to us and say, say hello to Chris, beloved who labored much in the Lord. I would just, I'd be like, that's how they see me? That is so affirming and encouraging. I guess my labor in the Lord was not in vain. We have real relationships based on who we are in Christ and our time and ministry together. Praise the Lord for that, right? These salutations are instructive. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren that are with them. Like, these last couple verses here, this is the least, you know, like, uh, specific. But it's still brethren. It's still in the Lord. It's still contextualizing things spiritually. Verse 16, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. And so, as we read through, different individuals and groups are viewed based on their position in Christ and or their service to the mission. And this results in great personal warmth and appreciation. And here's what I wonder. Here's what I really wonder. What are we missing out on without that sort of spiritual lens to see each other? You know, that brings a unity that that isn't contrived. We don't have to like make it up. When we see each other for who we are in Christ, when we actually minister together, 
without spiritual eyes and without relationships based on fellowship, I think we're probably missing out on a lot of what we're supposed to have as the church. And so here, here's maybe an illustration of that. You know God is a person. I mean, he's not like flesh and blood person right now on the earth, but he has personality. He is, he is a person. How many people, and maybe you know somebody like this, maybe as I describe this, you'll be thinking like, oh, I know that guy. Maybe you know somebody who knows all about God. Maybe they have an advanced degree in theology. And they know all about God. There's a lot of people who know all about the Bible without actually knowing the Bible. Like they can tell you why there's two authors of Isaiah, even though Jesus said there's only one. You know, they, they know a lot about the Bible, but they don't actually know the Bible. Can you believe that? They don't know how to use the Bible in ministry. Super smart scholars, but they don't actually know the Bible as much as they know about the Bible. People who know all about God, but they don't actually know him as a person. Do you know anybody like that? I know pastors who, you know, they've won people to Christ. I, we, we'll send someone on a missions trip. We'll say, how'd it go? They'll be like, it was awesome. We won 10 people to Christ. It's like, cool. What are their names? Oh, I don't know. Oh, so there's no relationship there. Like, you didn't actually care about them. You were just on a missions trip. And you can measure success based... Now, listen. Win souls. I'm not saying don't win souls. But if people matter, then people matter. And we, you know, we shouldn't just assume people are doing okay. We should make sure they're doing okay. And we should see them for who they are in Christ. And then, and then you know, we ought to have something the lost world doesn't have. We ought to have relationships based on who we are in Christ and the mission He's given us that are relationships with lost people. You know, they don't have that, Right? I don't know that we actually embrace that as a church like we should, or at least as a class as we should. So finally, you know, the last verse says, salute one another with a holy kiss. I, okay, so, I don't really want you all to kiss me. <laughs> Very bad. Unless yeah. it is a holy kiss. A holy kiss. Now, other cultures get this right. They do the, mm, the kiss on each cheek thing. You're not actually really smooching somebody. So unless you know how to do that culturally, maybe greet each other with a holy hug. I don't know. If you have the flu, just greet each other with a holy elbow bump or something, okay? But listen... After all this, after all of the receive ye one another, forgive and forbear one another, after all of this, here, you know, <coughs> greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, this is actually, go on, next one. 
This is actually something we're supposed to do. Half the people I know, that you know, they're going to pick a church based on how easy it is to get out after the service without actually having to say hi to anybody. And they want to come and go to service. That's what church is to them. I don't know, maybe especially men. We're not always super good at connecting. Okay, so we're going to be working through this in our small groups. And so listen... Here's a question to ask in your small groups. Are you doing this? Are you seeing each other through the right lens? Or are you seeing each other after the flesh? Do you feel like you have to perform? Do you, do you greet one another warmly? Are you involved in each other's lives? And this implies that we do this personally and interactively. That's the next slide. And then finally, in unity. We're all supposed to do this that that's very unifying if everybody is to do this um, so we're going to break up into our small groups at this time and i'd like you to kind of just work through this in your small groups